Hello, this is the Tribe Stories, the curated sermons, conversations, and collections of poetry of the Tribe Lagos. The Tribe Lagos is a gospel expression based in the city of Lagos, committed to reaching the next generation with the message of God's love and grace. May this refresh and revive you as you listen. I want us to kick our conversation from Ephesians 2, 4 to 8. But because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we are dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Keep that line, it is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Now, think about this, stay on this for a while. And there are three operative words I want us to pull out. There is saved, there is grace, and there is faith. Alright, that you are saved by grace through faith. Alright, so it is important to keep that in mind because what is grace? Grace actually came from a word, a Greek word called um, charis, which is free gift or gift. And in the, in the, in the Hebrew, there is also two words that is transcribed as grace. Uh, one of them is called noon. And noon is actually um, titled new beginning. It's, it, it has a number eight, you know. Um, they have all this number thing going on. So number, number eight speaks of new beginning. And there is also number 50, which is also one of the transcription. And it means the year of Jubilee. And in the year of Jubilee, what plays out in the year of Jubilee is that if you, are, you have slaves every 50 years, they are free. So the interesting part is even if your slavery started one year to 50 years, you are as free as him who has done 49 years into 15. All right. So Jubilee became a year of freedom. And Jubilee was now one in 50 years. But what people didn't understand and what Christ came to accomplish for us was that he became our year of Jubilee every year. So we're not waiting for 50 years to live in freedom from now. So grace is saying that everything we have accomplished is a gift from God. See, your salvation, you contributed zero. Everything, your, your salvation, your redemption, right? Your justification, everything was actually based on the finished works of Christ. When he screamed, it is finished on the day he died. That's what he meant. That he had put paid. He had paid in full for your transgression, the wrath. That God was, had, or was supposed to pour on sin. He took it for a place. He became a replacement. So what you don't understand is that you cannot qualify. You cannot end it. He ended it. If your salvation and your Christianity is you trying to end something that is already yours, there is no more grace that can be given. Grace has been poured. Grace has been given. What you need to do is to settle yourself in it. So let me give you an instance. Let's say you are here, right? And you're battling. Let's say you're battling fornication with your girlfriend. So after every performance, you cry. You understand? You cry and say, Lord, you know, you didn't intend to fall. It so happened that things happened. Alright, but you know, the, one of the presence of the Holy Spirit is that after a fall, you're, you're really broken. You're like, Lord, this issue that been the case. Lord, you can't give us a, a, a testimony. And you know, even way back on campus, there's a pastor that showed up one day, the pastor of the fellowship. And the guy summoned everybody to come to the front. He said, today we've had our day in the sun. Because <laughs> before then, he was just crying and he stood up and said, Comfort all ye men. So all the guys were like, yeah. just, we wish someone like, alarm to the slaughter. Okay, we didn't know what we were going for. Show up still. 
and say, lift up your right hand. Put it on your chest. Lift up your left. Brother, like this. Say, Father, the day I visit a porn site, let me die. <laughs> Guys. <laughs> we froze. Because nobody knew where, what was happening. And guess where the guy went to before that time? Of all the places to go was um, um, Safira and Ananias. He read that scripture, so he had already created an atmosphere of fear. You understand? So he had already, and that was a perfect scripture to bring me. So I saw people who were struggling, struggling with the covenant. Like, honestly, that day I said, Baba, I don't, this covenant, I don't know. And guess what? Even after all the covenant, you still come back and um, you forgot your child at your girlfriend's house. But it was 10 p.m. your phone had one bar. The next day you had an interview, you need to pick it. But it so happened that she just she was already in the bathroom when you got there. And she came quickly to open the door. And you decided to charge the phone in the house instead of going. And, and that was the last we heard of you. But that's, let's let's stay on grace but my point is my point is all of these struggles are a product of wrong theology yeah. i believe 100 percent. if you have a revelation of grace and you have the holy spirit you walk in righteousness so people that get scared that all of you that are still finished the lord has done it all of you one of these days you're not getting right no my fear is those that are in law and legalism is a is a terrible place to be they don't have there's something called joy of salvation yeah. He didn't say joy, sorrow of salvation. So the day you hear anything and it's not, it's not bringing freedom and joy to you, it's not the gospel. It's not good news. The gospel is supposed to remind you of who you are in God because there was a miracle that happened at birth. So grace was God dealt with sin. He dealt it with it one time. So sin, you don't have a problem. You have a mind renewal problem. So God has sorted your nature. So let's go to Romans, please. Romans, Romans 8. Romans 8, um, from verse 2. But there's something, so you know, what I, before now, I also used to get worried, like, okay, if we start dwelling on what Christ has done, because my brother, I have, we believed it. You go to church, they'll give you seven keys to breaking free from masturbation. You keep your seven keys, and it's, after a while, I realize the keys didn't open any door. So you go back and you meet another pastor and say, they are no longer seven, they are ten. Three more. You take more keys and there are no doors. What do you realize? You have more chains around your neck. Because you don't live from outside in. The greatest gift of grace is a transformed heart. And out of a transformed heart, you see the fruits of God in your life. So the fruits will come, but two things, you have a focus problem. So long as you're holding that sin, like God, this thing, you cannot be sin consciously and then the righteousness manifests. I don't know how the word works. But you cannot focus on how broken and how bad you are and see the fruit of God's life flourish inside of you. It comes by just being on who he says you are. Dwell on who you are. Trust me, I am so obsessed about my righteousness consciousness. Like, I'm like, even when I, some days, Lagos can be quite, can be a tough one to live in. The days you decide to fast, the enemy will show. You understand? But you will not fall, brother. You're meant to be strong. So, even if you're seeing all the images around and suddenly there are no, there are no longer clothes in Lagos, you understand? And you're like, no, the, the heat is getting intense. Like yesterday, we had a program here. After a while, I decided to go home because at some point I didn't know whether what was on display. I was 
I, I, I spoke in tongues for a season. <laughs> but the tongues wasn't having its way. But wisdom. Because, yeah, if you're, if you're dieting, you can't keep chocolate at every turn in your house and say, I'm on a diet. When you talk, I'm on a diet. By the time you chew too bad, you understand? You know what's happening to you. So at the end of the day, what we established on Thursday before, you guys are still in the picture. They're in the picture, yes. But, um, I know Ed has a lot to say, but endure with me. But what we established that there's something called the already and the not yet. So when you got born again, there are three things here. There is, you have, uh, you're a spirit, you have a soul and you live in the body. That's the three side, the three dimensions of man. So the, the spirit of man is completely saved. So man is fully saved, fully redeemed, declared, completely justified. Your spiritual reality is not that you are. So there is a place to understand this because all scriptures are not for you. All scriptures are written for you but not to you. Alright, so we, we read from Mark 10 where the other guy came to Jesus at night. The guy sneaked in and said, Baba, um, how did I get this new life? I have kept the law. The guy said, I have done from my youth. I have kept the law. You know what Jesus did? Jesus, Jesus shocked me. Because Jesus knew grace, but he didn't give the man grace. His response was that, guy, go sell all you have, then let's talk, come back. And I'm thinking, they said, the man went away sorrowfully. It clicked in my mind. Whenever you come to God with love, God will give you love. And He will give you love, not to enslave you. He will give you love to show that you can't keep it. Because He will resist the proud. And law is about self-righteousness. But the, the humble He will attract. So when you shop in law, that's why our brothers that are in law, they will see more law. Because the law will always call up law. And He's doing that to be, to see your flaws, to help you know that you will need to come to an end of yourself before you cannot assess grace. Only those who are broken can treasure grace. Like if you haven't come to the end of yourself, if you feel that there's still a strength in you to affirm, so spiritually you establish your feet. I was explaining that there are journeys to it, alright? So back in, in Isaiah, we, we saw that by his stripes we are healed. When you come down to Peter, he says by his stripes we were healed. So what was a present tense became a past tense. So who's senior? Peter's revelation of healing, senior Isaiah. So Peter is saying your healing is in the past. Isaiah is saying your healing is something that is about to happen. He said, no, your healing is in the past. So if you approach Isaiah and say, Lord, I'm about to heal, you will not understand that when you come to Peter, you approach your healing with gratitude. You're saying, Father, thank you because I am healed. I know it. I'm seeing it. There is no sickness in my body. You're affirming that which is. Because he healed you 2,000 years ago. So you're collecting and appropriating that healing. Alright, you're not coming to seek it. So Isaiah can say, so people that are going to Old Testament, my brother, he has his context, but those are shadows, right? And they, they were spoken for a season, but that is not where you find your accurate position as a believer. You find your accurate position, not always in the red letter. Because even this moment, when Jesus was saying, go and sell all you have, my brother, go and sell everything and come, let's have the salvation for you. He wasn't written to you. He was written for the Pharisees and the Sadducees. When he told them, be perfect, as my father is perfect, he knew they could never keep perfection. He told them, oh yeah, be perfect. Try they were struggling. But to us, he said, no, you're my, I'm your perfection. So, the law, you're walking towards perfection. In grace, you're walking from perfection. In law, you're walking to become accepted. In, in grace, you're already accepted. You're not walking from there. So, let it settle in your mind. Where you need to do your work now is the second level. So, he said, spiritually, you're sorted, right? Your, your mind now is where there is work. Because when you got born again, you didn't erase your memory. Your porn files are still loaded. And maybe 
your 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 Yahoo product has still loaded. So all of those things are all there. And when you go born again, you lose calories. Your your weight is still your weight. All right. I mean, you didn't lose that. Did you get born again after I said I've lost some weight? The miracle was a spiritual one. That way to hit the gym. Indeed, you hit the gym. So my point is, some people understand. You need to understand that you need to go and burn those fats. It's a gym problem. For your mind, your memory was already an accumulation of years and years of filth, information, indulgences. So you have to deal with it at that level. That's what Romans 12 2 gave us. That you renew your mind. All right, renew your mind. You didn't say I, the Holy Spirit, to renew your mind. The tax of a renewal of your mind is yours. So when you begin to pray, Holy Spirit, take my mind. No, my brother, what have you been reading? All right, what have you been spending time with? Because once you exchange time with, you acquire. So your mind is, so whatever you're feeding in would not go to either strengthen your position of who you are or weaken you further. So my point is, if you feed your mind with all these things, you don't dwell on the world. You know what it said? Abide in me and I in you. So in abiding, you're, you're taking on life. Intimacy produces strength because there's a reservoir of strength inside of you through the Holy Spirit. So I, I know that grace is a potential danger to those who don't have the Holy Spirit. To understand the gospel of grace without intimacy is to run the risk of abusing it. Because the Holy Spirit is a strength that can keep you and teach you. So if you don't have, when people tell me, no, 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 there's a work to be done, I say, you know why? You don't understand intimacy with the Holy Spirit. He's your, trust me, he walks in you will have to do, right? See, intimacy is non chip. When you understand that the Holy Spirit in you, God made that just investment. He gave you grace and gave you the Holy Spirit. The Holy Grace without the Holy Spirit, my brother, trouble. But having grace and having the Holy Spirit, there is nothing that can stop you. The righteousness we now have is the quality of righteousness that God has. Because why? The righteousness we have is not self-righteous. We did not attain it. It came to us as a gift. So if, for instance, I have a, a, a song and all of you have flash drive, I'm not having to put the song in all your flash, your, your flash drives, right? The same when you open it, this the same song in my original laptop is the same song in your flash drive. It's no less a thing. So when God installs righteousness, the same quality of righteousness in God is the same quality of righteousness. So God is not more righteous than you are. In fact, you need to understand that you share is that why you say you're a partaker of divine nature. So long as you don't identify with that nature, you never come to the fullness of who you are. Amen. Amen. This um, conversation around grace is one that I, I believe it's a lifelong um, revelation, um, and and it truly is. You know, I think when I when I received Christ, when I became aware of my walk with Christ, I always thought of the walk of grace as a, as as the work that happened at the point of salvation, um, and God has shown me that the work of grace is a continuous work. And so the same grace that saved is the grace that sustains, right? And so um, we must continue to seek um, a revelation of that grace. And I was sharing with um, Pastor Ferdi uh, earlier in the week and Eche how God's grace has abounded um, as I have become more and more aware of self-righteousness. So maybe I should put it this way. One of the biggest works of grace in my life is a recognition of self-righteousness and veganism. Um, and, you know, you were speaking a moment ago and you talked about when you come to God with law, he meets you there with law. And I thought to myself that that in itself is a work of grace, right? Um, it says in Romans 5 that where the law 
abounded, sin abounded. And in the past, I always thought, why would God, you know, put the law in place so that sin would abound? And no, it's not so much that, it's that the, the recognition of law, the awareness of the law, or the presence of the law makes you aware of sin. But then it continues to say also that where sin abounded, grace also abounded. And so there's an intersection there, right? Of where, where law and grace intersect, there's, there's awareness. Grace is an encounter, and the encounter leads to transformation. A work is done when you encounter grace. So at the point of salvation, the work of grace is making you, I think a couple of things happen. One, and that scripture you read earlier, also in Colossians 2, also in Romans 5, this passage I'm referencing. When you see grace mentioned, preceding that, you hear about us being dead in our trespasses. You know, that's pretty asked, when 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 you accepted Christ, what did you do? You couldn't have done anything, you were dead. So grace didn't come to make a bad person good. Grace came to make dead people alive, right? So we were dead and grace met us. We had nothing to do with the work. What God can a dead man do to bring life to himself? Um, and so at the point of salvation, the dead become alive. At the point of salvation, there is recognition of sin. I believe also that throughout the life of a believer and the experiences I've had, um, God's graciousness is to make you constantly aware, is to put up the mirror of his grace so that you become aware of how short you have fallen, right? Um, for people, I, I don't know if there's anyone here who can relate to me. If you grew up in a Christian environment, you were a good girl, a good boy, you know, in the family, it was always, why can't you be like your sister Simi? Everyone in church saying, look at Simi, you know, can't you be? <laughs> you know, what happens then from an early age is that you then take on this burden of meeting a standard that you know. And so from a very early age, I, I, I was, I was depressed and I was weighed down with the burden of of performance, exactly, realizing that there were expectations put on me that in my heart of heart I did I knew I didn't have the capacity to, to meet up to. And um, I literally fell into a depression at the age of twelve. Um, and it was so it was so pungent that it led to physical it manifested as physical sickness. Um, and and that was the point at which I mean, leading up to that, I denounced my dad's a pastor. The church started in our garage. I had been to like a hundred altar calls or come out for a hundred altar calls <laughs> leading up to that point. But it was in that season, praise God for his faithfulness. You know, the, this passage in Psalm 18 that says, God reached down from on high and took hold of me and lifted me. And that's what it felt like um, at the, you know, at the climax of, of this experience, you know, in my teenage years. God reached down from on high and took a hold of me. And so, um, legalism and the law, they're not what God intended for us, but I believe that the presence, and I think Bible backs it up, that even the existence of law um, allows us to recognize sin. And I'll leave it there. Um, I was supposed to speak to the origin of um, of law. Um, how how did it come about that law came in the first place, and then why is there a debate of law versus grace? Or in the first place, is there actually a debate between the law and grace? Growing up as a young Christian, I was somebody who liked life. I I am outgoing. 
So I really, yeah, and so really things that condition me. I'm not somebody who performs performs very well in regiment. So when you bring the law generally and condition me, you actually punish me. So when I got born again, I would rather like say I like a Peter to a Paul because I felt Peter was an easier gospel and then give me the gospel of John and I'm good. But then when you begin to give me the epistles of Paul, I'm like, this is a hard saying. But interestingly, law and grace are not on the opposite side. As a matter of fact, there is no debate between law and grace. Actually, what we have is we have a debate between grace and sin. And Jesus didn't come to rescue us from the law. He came to rescue us from sin. Now, what happens is this. Jesus has become the remedy because where you have a law, there is a repercussion. So what Jesus became was Jesus became the repercussion for the law. So the fulfillment of the law that the Lord had given to engender communication. And let me start why the law came. Now, after the fall of man, there was a disconnect. Before the fall of man, God would come and commune with man in the cool of the evening. But then after man fell, there was a disconnect. And God's intention and purpose for man was to have that communion. He needed to restore that communion. And the, only, and the tool he could use to restore that communion as at the time was to bring in law. And through law, the children of Israel were able to maintain some level of communion. But law in itself, like Fedia said, was not absolute. And in real terms, we do not have an absolute law, even in the secular world. That's why every constitution has had amendments upon amendments upon amendments. And for those of you that are lawyers, you know, when you are quoting law, they'll say this particular law that was, you know, revealed so and so day. And after 50 years of independence, we are still talking about reforming the Nigerian, reviewing and reforming the Nigerian constitution. This speaks to the fact that you cannot, even in the secular circles, you can't have an absolute law, how much more of when you are, you are speaking within the context of God. And so the first law that came, that God brought, in itself could only work out repercussion. And I will share with Fedi that that first law would bring, um, would, would come to repercussion. But God now had to develop a new template that would give you justification. And then this new law that he brought, brought forgiveness. And like I said, it works from inside to the outside as opposed to the other laws that gives you conditions of rules, do's and don'ts. And so that was how law came. And then law could not, law in man in itself could not fulfill, could not live by that law. So God needed to reform what he had given, and that reformation became the person of his son, Jesus Christ, who came by way of grace. Take us to a higher level of performance of this, because his son now fulfills the law, and then his son lives in us. And because the son has fulfilled the law, and because the son is the fulfillment of the law and is in us now, we have in turn become, we have been able to what? Fulfill 
the same law because Christ lives in us and Christ is the word of God and the word of a king is no less a king than the king himself. Praise the Lord. Um, Alright, um, there's a lot to say so when my time is all just <laughs> um, I'll have to begin with um, the system of the law and the new covenant. Now, there's the old covenant, and then the law governs the old covenant. So, the old covenant is what between God and the people. And it's interesting that God would even think of entering a covenant with man. But, like she rightly said, you know, that was not meant to be the end. You know, it was meant to lead to the new covenant. You know, so, um, God had a covenant with man, and then the law was meant to govern the covenant. You know, so, that was when it happened that whenever men fell short of the law, you know, they received repercussion, you know, somehow. And so, but the, the new covenant was about God having a covenant with himself and we becoming the recipient. You know, so we, we are not in a covenant with God, we are in the covenant. We are beneficiaries of the new covenant. So, 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 so we are not meant to work for it, we are meant to receive it, we are meant to just rest in it. And so the covenant was, and that, that was why Christ became a man. So it's still a covenant between God and man. But just like we watched, the covenant is between God and Christ, the man Christ. And so, and that's why the scripture says that if any man be in Christ, so we are now in Christ. So Christ took our place, entered the covenant, fulfilled the law. And like I was sharing with um, the other day on Thursday when we were going on. I was like, um, how did Christ? Christ came, uh, there's a verse that the scripture that says that uh, I've not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. I mean, that people think, you, know, say, hey, you see, we are meant to fulfill the law. I said, are you Christ? He said, I. Yeah. I. He was talking about himself. You no, know, like, but when you guys say, you know what is for you and what is to you. That scripture is for us, for your information. You no, know, FYI. You know, <laughs> for your information, not to you. It's I. I, Christ. I, I didn't come to abolish, I came to fulfill the law. Now, how are we going to fulfill the law? You know, the law, the law was not bad in the first place. If you look at Hebrews chapter nine, uh, eight and nine, talk about the old covenant. Say that God finding fault with the people, not with the law. So they said the law that Paul wrote in Romans seven that the law itself what is good, but the people can't keep the law. That was the problem. So God, the old covenant, good, but the people, bad. <laughs> so. That's why when Christ came, as somebody already said it, that Christ came to deal with sin, to fix the people, not to fix the law. <laughs> but the law had already demanded something from the people, which was the wages for their sins, death. So how are they going to fulfill the law? The law was not meant to end by abolishing the law. It was meant to come to an end when his demands have been fulfilled. So it demanded death from us. I see God saying, you know what, I'm going to justify the law. I'm going to give the law what it demands. And so Christ became the demand for the law. You know, so sometimes when I have to speak, and people are saying the wages of sin is dead, I say you are very correct. But Christ has become all things for me. He became the wages for my sins. And that's why it says Corinthians 521 in this verse it says, um, Christ, for he who knew no sin, became sin. He became the wages. What about the law demanded? Christ has given the law. And the law demands um, um, death for the one who has broken the law. And what Christ did was Christ fulfilled the law by giving the law what they demanded, which was death and hell. And, you know, uh, um, justification for us and um, salvation for us is that it's not that God just overlooked our sins. It's that whatever uh, sin we, we've committed and one we will still commit, past, present, future, all of human sins 
no, Christ has paid the price. For example, in the scripture that says that Christ tasted death for all, for everyone. And so, um, um, it's not as if God just pardoned our sins. Whenever you see the word forgiveness, it's not just a pardon. Like, you know, prophetic can offend me and I just um, overlook it. But it still goes on to face the consequence of the sins, of his offense, you know. <laughs> but have I pardoned him? I pardoned him. So sometimes people think that what God did was, oh, he just overlooked it and then we still face the consequence. No. So whenever I see the word forgiveness of sins, is that I have pardoned you and I have dealt with the consequence of that action. For and for for entire, I'll come to that. Look, for entire, so I've dealt with the consequence of that action. So now the, the sinner, this is the sinner cycle. The sinner cycle is he experiences separation from God with his spiritual death, and one who separated from God goes on to hell. That's just the, the, the shock. Just that. so now, what Christ did for us was that he became the sinner, became the the wages for the sinner's sins. Just that he died the sinner's death, went to the sinner's hell, and then now resurrected and brought the sinner into his resurrection. You know, so and 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 this is very very important because when people say a believer can still go to hell, I'm just amazed. I'm like, if you go and check my record. I have died for my sins. Eh? I've been to hell. But just like we watch, it's only I who went to the hell. It's only I who died. The son who died. But it's a record that this one, whatever pain, the Lord has no part in me anymore. He can never demand anything from me anymore. Because someone has paid the price in full. It's a full payment. So we came into his resurrection. And so it's very important that I understand that. So in the new covenant, we are resting on what Christ has done completely, not on our performance. Now, when it comes to one and forever, um, yesterday, on Friday and yesterday, I was just doing an extensive study for a group that, an online group that I usually interact with. You know, I was studying on this covenant and I was reminded again of certain things. You know, many times uh, people are like, we can lose what we've received as a free gift. That means you don't understand what free gift is. A gift is that you didn't work for it. This and you can never work for it, and you can never sustain it by works. And so, um, and now, when it comes to the two covenants, the old covenant and the new covenant, what we receive as what we receive as recipient, you know, is not tied to us. It's tied to the sacrifice. So we are looking at the nature of the one who performed the sacrifice to understand what we have received. Now, in the days of the law of the old covenant, when it came to the issue of sin. They, they may sacrifice how many times? Once a year yes. for sin. So once a year for sin, the high priest, it's even the high priest that performs sacrifice, not the people. The high priest performs the sacrifice for the people's sins once in a year. Now let me tell you how this is, because this is very important, because I can discover that the guys under the old covenant had more faith in the blood of bulls and goats than we do in the blood of Jesus. I will explain that. Let me tell you how it is, you know, <laughs> very, very real. I, um, we performed that today is 5th of May 2019, the day of the atonement. Perfect high priest. We've all brought our goods, you know, <laughs> for the sacrifice. You know, when will be the next sacrifice? The next day of atonement, 5th of May 2020. Now it gets to tomorrow, and I see my brother like, bro, ah, just after that, yeah, I commit sin, you know, as in I don't fall again, I've committed another sin. Guys, even me too. No, we, what would they say? Anyway, let's relax. 5th. May 2020, all our sins for the past one year will be taken away. So it's not that alone that they keep on sinning, but it's just the faith that they have that at least that day of atonement, every sin in the past one year, they have so much faith in it. They don't do with the day of atonement. 
That's it. That, they, they can see now, know that that day, all my sins will be rolled away. What? And that, no, the sacrifice was always performed with a one-year-old um, goat or lamb. So it's as good as the sacrifice, the, 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 the number of years the, of the sacrifice, the life it has, is one year. So it can only take care of sin for one year. Just hold that thought okay. for a second so that I'll ask a question and then we can take a few questions from here. Um, when you talk about the, the bulls and the lambs, even till date in Judaism, they still carry out this practice. Um, and we have been invited to participate in what has been accomplished for us. That was why Christ was, Christ being a high priest, alright? That was why they, they patterned him after Melchizedek in Hebrews. Hebrews has this role call of talking about how he has taken our place. But then, one thing that what I want us to speak to, maybe you'll answer and see me. I am, I am I'm saved, completely saved. I believe in grace that the finished works of Christ cannot be unfinished. <coughs> that the completed works of Christ cannot be undone. But in my life, I'm still struggling with something and I've prayed about it, I've done about it, I've, but it's still there. Um, what would be your response to such people here in um, helping them come to a point where that indeed that righteousness that they have received as a gift is seen in their behavior? That righteousness that is now in nature is seen in their behavior. How do you work that journey? Alright, um, okay. Let me just put a minute and complete what I was saying, then I'll come yeah. to this, right? <laughs> because a lot, the answer is still lies, you know, in, in what, how much you understand what has happened to you or what has it done for you. You know, so um, so it, that was it in the old covenant. So they have faith in the blood of bulls and bulls. Now in the new covenant, and so and so one year old lamb had to take care of sin for one year. Now the life that laid on the cross for us is a, it's an eternal life, and so the sacrifice that he performed for us, how long will it last? For eternity. Yes, and so you know, uh, um, so whatever thing we have received, our salvation is for how long? For life. For life. Our righteousness is for how long? For eternity, many times we sing this song, I will praise it from everlasting to everlasting. How can you pray from everlasting to everlasting with a short life? You know, a life that you will see, if you say you can fall tomorrow and fall out of. No, we pray from everlasting to everlasting because we have everlasting life. So, in, in, in right here, we'll praise Him forever, we'll praise Him. You know, so that is where you draw your strength. You get to understand that I am righteous forever. Listen, and so in the midst of your struggles, present struggles, you know, we, we talked a lot about that on Wednesday, you know, how that the soul. Um, the mind, your mind is not yet renewed. If your mind is not yet renewed, you are going to be struggling to live out who you already are. No, so so even you don't allow your mind to. Um, and someone said something. Um, um, two people are not merciful as God, your mind and the devil. So God has forgot, forgiven all your sins, forgotten Himself, doesn't remember Him. But your mind, we keep on telling you that you are like your sin. But you have to tell your sin, remind yourself, look at the world to know who you are, and keep reminding yourself, no, it's as real as this. That you commit a sin today, and you tell yourself, I'm righteous of God in Christ Jesus. And you keep on confessing, you keep on saying, and keep on believing it. Yeah. You know, I, I, on Monday, on my way to work, so someone picked me, gave me a ride, and I was sharing with him, that's how who I am. Anywhere I am, I talk the same. In a car, if you give me a ride, inside your own car, we will turn you to a church. Yeah. <laughs> and so we, we, we drove from um, Ajat to um, VI. And then I was sharing this with him. You know, this guy was someone that was in this um, box. Yes, and so he was struggling with something I didn't know. But when I began to share this with him, before as we got to be like, he began to tell me his own, just like Zacchaeus, when he just said to this, I should have come to your own house. And he just went there, but just himself, sharing himself, and he didn't tell me that Zacchaeus was a bad person, you are terrible. When Zacchaeus saw Jesus, 
He then began to say, Jesus, you know what? I am I am beginning to repent. Now repentance, repentance is metanoia in the Greek, means change of mind. So how do we do how do you deal with actions? Many times I want to go and pluck out the actions, those habits. No, you can't. So the body, the, the, the body, the body is meant to respond to the state of the mind. So when we see when you see yourself still, that you are still working against your nature, if you have to fix your mind, you have to stay on the world and see who you are in Christ Jesus. I'm going to tell yourself that you are righteous of God in Christ Jesus. Many times you want to struggle and say, I will not do this habit again, I'm going to stop you. You're, 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 you're not called to struggle, you're meant to rest in what Christ has done. And that rest begins from your mind. You know, what, what are you thinking about who you are? Who do you say that you are in Christ Jesus? You know, stay on it, stay on it. You know, when I meet someone who is struggling with habits, you know, I don't tell you stop doing those habits. I get you to the place where we can study. You know, we are studying, I'm not just any form of study. Many times we grew up, you know, saying just study the word, study the word, and we, we, we study different things. Just no, it is learning your identity in Christ. When Christ says, Come unto me, all you who are laden, who are burdened, He said, I will give you rest. How does, how, how, He didn't say, I will put down the burden. So, in other words, He doesn't put down the burden by lifting the bodies off your head, by giving you rest. As you rest, the bodies will fall off. And then He then says, Learn of me. So you continue learning of him. You know why I say learn of him? Because the ultimate plan of salvation is that you have become like Christ. So the more you learn about Christ, you are learning of, about yourself. This is, uh, like someone writer said, uh, one of my pastors, Reverend Wada, he said, we are studying the Bible. Many times when we study the Bible, you study the Bible, I see a woman that was um, plagued with the issue of God, she came and touched the hem of his garment. I'm like, ah, Father, if you like touch the hem of your garment. No, you are reading wrongly. If and then you read the story of the blind Bartimaeus who was um, shouting, Jesus, 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 thou son of David, have mercy on me. And you're like, Oh, Father, have mercy on me. You have read wrongly. Mm-hmm. You are not blind Bartimaeus in that story. You are Jesus in that story. You are not the blind leading sight. You are the one giving sight to the blind. So, so learn to read. When you read the Bible, see yourself properly. See, look at, look at the world, look at Jesus, and then you will be transformed. Then let me end with this. You know, there's, there's a, the mystery is this, you have already become, it's not longer a mystery, it's just a revelation. The revelation is this, you know, don't let people quote you with our couple shared mystery. It has all been revealed in Christ Jesus. Anywhere you go out there, they are sharing mystery. That is the problem. People have end up, ended up becoming mysterious. You know, I remember those days when they said uh, um, 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 purpose, you know, when, when you go to the place where you are teaching purpose and destiny. You know, even the direction you had before in your life, after that meeting, you will lose direction. And that's another thing I say, I'm a geologist, like, you know, what if I've missed my purpose? I was, maybe I was going to be a lawyer and engineer. No, 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 no. Your purpose in Christ is you're meant to be a child of God and ambassador of the kingdom. And so whether you're a lawyer or you're a doctor, just a, no, 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 that's your choice. God's choice that he has made you who he wants you to be. Just and I should go about doing that. So let me end with this, concerning them fixing that war between your flesh and the spirit. You know, uh, Paul said the same thing, James said the same thing. Now, in Paul's, in Paul, Paul kept on reminding people as to who they are already in Christ Jesus. So, he, he, um, like I said on, on Thursday, he was, he, the, the Corinthian church was a very, very troublesome church. You know, when Paul left, they ended up in all manner of metaphysical sexual sins and all those stuff. And Paul was writing to them to correct the sexual sin that was in the church. You know, people, one guy was sleeping with his father's wife, his stepmother, both the openly. And you know, he was trying to correct. That if we had to be today, we'll give those guys more laws, like I shared already on Thursday. You know, we say, you know, give one of just pluck out the, the works from their from them, like that. No, no, no. Paul wrote to them and said, Don't you realize who you already are? 
that you are the temple of the Holy Ghost, that He lives in you. So how are they going to correct their conduct or make them you know, begin to live like who they really are? So by reminding them who they are already. So many times, it's because we forget who we are or we don't keep the conscience of who we are. That's why that struggle keeps on going on and on. And then can't say the same thing. He says, that man in James chapter 1, I think verse 20, he says, that believer who is unstable in all his ways, it's like the one who looks at the mirror. Know that Paul also talked about the mirror in chapter 3, 18, where he says, as you keep on beholding the mirror, you are transformed into the same image that is in the mirror. And the spiritual mirror, which is the word of God, is right from your physical mirror. So don't think about your physical mirror, because your physical mirror reflects the image you give it. So if you are a sinner, you go to your physical mirror, you will see a sinner. Just about when you look at the mirror, the future mirror, it tells you who you are already. So forgetting your natural state, you might still be struggling with sin, but when you look at the mirror, it tells you that you are righteous, you are like Christ, and then it says, as you keep on looking at it, you are transformed in your conduct, in your body, in, into who you already are. And so, uh, Paul, uh, James talked about safety. He said that uh, the man who is unstable is like the man that looks at the mirror and, and leaves the mirror. Don't be attentive to that. He leaves and then forgets who, who, the image he saw, who he is. And then, say that man becomes unstable. He has unstable, he's struggling, struggling. He said, but whosoever looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continues looking. Say that one will become stable and blessed in all his ways. So my, my advice to you is keep on looking. Keep on reading. And in Hebrews, maybe we just that video. Hebrews uh, 12, 1 and 2. That's what New Living Tradition. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. You know, by the way, like the Fed is putting on the scripture, you know, we used to recite scriptures and after we recite it, forget. But in the past almost a decade, I've not recited any scripture. I keep on looking, keep on looking until you become part of me. So don't 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 go and think of cramming scriptures in your head. That's not spirituality. Just be reading, be studying, it will become part of you. So he says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge flood of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every way that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us off. It doesn't take us out of Christ. The fall from grace is not to sin. No, the fall from grace is to go back to the system of the law. That's what falling from grace is. So in case you, you say I'm falling from grace because I see you, no, you are still in grace if you still believe in Jesus Christ. You just, just tripped up from the race. The race we are running is not the race to heaven. It's the race of ministry to reach out to the people, into Christ. So um, so when we sing, it trips us, it delays us. It just it keeps us in a place. So that's why he said, let us lay them aside. As let us run with endurance, the race, God has said before, I just said that the race of ministry, not the race to heaven. We are in heaven already. And um, verse 2. Uh, that, okay, no, okay, yes. How do we do this? So how do we uh, um, um, lay aside every sin? How do we do that? We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. So we keep our eyes on Jesus, and guess what? Sin begins to drop off. Because after a time, it's covered that I am like Christ. And then every temptation comes to ask you a question Who are you? The first law, I don't agree with the law, but the first law that came in was don't eat of this tree. And God has already made man like himself. And the devil came and met Eve to test. It wasn't eat the fruit first. It was when you eat this fruit, you will become like God. And Eve forgot that she, she was already like God. So if Eve had said, no, I'm already like God. Today, all of us will see me going with that clothes. What I mean, that nobody before. Yes, and so I will not know that we are naked. Yes, and so or whatever. So the same thing happened when Christ came, the second Adam and the last Adam. The devil came again to say, "If you are the Son of God, it was a test of identity. Every temptation tests, you come to test 
who are you? And if you know who you are, it will be with ease. Jason, so keep on looking at Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much. This is, this is actually this is actually a gospel. So um, Chuka, Chuka said so much. Chuka said so much. And guys, trust me, this is this is this is beautiful. I was just enjoying to listen to it. See, I'm gonna bring you here, but there is something I want to throw in as well from uh, Romans 8. Romans 8, we're supposed to read before Romans 8 to 3. So if you're here and you're battling Sida. Your problem is not serious. Your problem is actually that you're focused on the wrong thing. See, your behavior is always an outcome of a nature. That nature has already implanted in you. As you focus on who you are in here, your behavior will take on your new nature. So don't be distracted by that you still have appetite. After a while, your affections and emotions and even your things will change. You will change. So don't be, don't, don't judge, don't, you know, there was something he said on Thursday that was so powerful. And he said that if you come to church, if you if they see a, a, a Christian in a club dancing, having fun, when they, when they come to church, they say, boy, you see they pretend, you see they pretend, they will think that his life in the club is his real deal. And when he comes into church, and I pretend, they pretend. And you can say some people, I will say, no, that guy, him in the church is the real deal. That one is him pretending. Because he has a new nature now that is not seeking to define himself in the wrong places. And I see what it says. And because you belong to him, the power of the, of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. So the, you already have power within you that you're free from sin. Go on. Sin is no longer in you. Alright? Sin is no longer in you. Just get it out of your mind. Don't confuse your acts of sin with the nature of sin. Your acts of sin is actually that you lie, you steal, you do crazy things. But that is tied to a residue or in your mind of an old nature that once was. But as that old nature is gone, you are completely free. Let's see, I'm going to 11, right? 8 and verse 11, verse 11. You go and read all this scripture. I was really talking about how you are in the spirit, you cannot sin. How you have to basically, that you're no longer under the law of, of sin and death. You're under the law of grace. You're completely free. So it says, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, He will give life to your mortal bodies by this same Spirit, like a spirit living within you. So this is the fountain of righteousness. This is what it means not to fall. That you, you already have that thing, that same life Jesus had. Jesus was without fault. He was without sin. Because there was something He carried that you now have. So you are no less Christ. You are like Him. You are no less Christ. Okay. You want to add something? Yeah. Sorry. Let me, let me add something. Yeah. Uh, I was saying to one of my pastors, Reverend Ajayi again, you know, and he came to our church in Warrior and he was saying something very powerful. You know, many times we, when it comes, we are talking about dealing with habits and, you know, the residue of sin, sin habits and the rest. And so many times when we look at Christ or come to church, we want to claim miracles, I receive my miracles, I receive my breakthroughs, I receive this, I receive that. You know, I cannot be sick because Christ. You know, by stripes I'm healed and all And they say, add this, add this one. I cannot sin because I'm righteous. That is, yeah. it's part of the confession. <laughs> Don't just be claiming, oh, ah, I receive my healing. No, I've received the righteous life. Listen, so the way you say, I cannot be sick. He said, when you say, I cannot sin. And then it was so profound for me. You know, it broke a lot even in me then. So I, I began to, and through that, at some point, you, 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 your life is going to be tailored towards what you have believed, what you are studying, and the things that you are saying. So, in the midst of your struggles, confess it. 
I am not designed for sin. I am designed for good works. Keep on saying it. Keep on saying. One day you you just believe in what you are saying already. <laughs> I think Chuka has really touched on, on all the key things that uh, I wanted to highlight. And I uh, I loved the insight and the the reminder that really our struggle um, is a struggle to keep our eyes on Jesus. It's not to fight sin, and the more we do that, and I you know I love to look at the life of Paul, who. Um, who HS says he didn't, <laughs> whose life he didn't like to pursue, right? Uh, but Paul, with everything that he had done, still would say that, not that he has already attained, but that he, he's seeking to attain. Um, and, you know, in parallel to that passage that you shared earlier about fixing our eyes on Jesus, the other and the perfect of our faith, is in Philippians 3, where Paul says that one thing he does, forgetting what is behind him and pressing toward uh, that which he has already attained. And uh, just coming to that uh, tension between already and not yet, you know, I think it's very apparent in this passage um, in Philippians 3. Um, three verses, I think seven and onward, you know, where he says, you know, whatever was gained, he counts as loss. He counts all things as loss compared to the personality of knowing Christ. Um, he says he wants to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. And at this point, look at all Paul had done in his life and he says, I want to know Christ. Um, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already been perfected, but I press on to take Hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me, um, and you know, in the in our walk with in our walk with God, and I, you know, just taking what God has done in my life, for example, I realized that resting in the finished work of Christ is perhaps one of the hardest things for us as believers. It's so much easier. We love to look at our sin. We love to fight sin. Um, but truly, the rest comes and the, the growth comes. Uh, the more the more we look at ourselves in the mirror of Christ and the more that we can press into it. One of the things I like to do is to go to the story, uh, to go to the book of Revelation because we already know how the story ends, right? Imagine if you lived your life knowing how the story ends. From the foundation of time, Christ had been assigned to take the school. He completed the work from the beginning of time. We already know that we will gather before his throne, uh, men and women from every tribe and every tongue, um, and and we will worship. So if we live with that vision in mind, I, I had a, a boss who used to say to me, live for the line, not for the dot. This life we're living here on earth right now, in the, in the you know, in light of eternity, it's just a dot along the line. Um, so my my encouragement um, to us collectively is that we live with the with eternity as we so God will continue His work of restoration. This is a great scuffle. so we can wrap up. But please keep your questions one minute and, and precise. All right, um, I also can answer quickly too. So if you have a question. One church. Uh, okay, so mine is not really a question. I just wanted to add. Let me start in front <laughs> Anyways, um, so he mentioned something about um, like you would almost think that people in the past had more trust or belief in goals and goods and than us now and all of that. Personally, because I, I grew up in 
I went to my parents, my parents, so there's always that harvest in the do they bring new stuff. I feel like if we had to go back then, like if there was a system, I mean, Martin Luther in former said something about us always going back to default, which is which is religion. If we had to be doing what those guys did, we won't have animals to Like every like animals would like sacrifice, like there'll be intense sacrifice based on everybody trying to make up for like make up for yesterday. But the thing for me, the, the ease of the gospel, like she said, I think is what many people like the consistency, consistency to believe, like that Jesus is enough. Yeah. Like you don't have to kill, you don't have like I mean if, if there's a system, you know that worry, they'll tell you that oh if you bring cow this year, we will get cow. I'll have an inventory for cows, knowing that every kind was structured. You know, for the the, the, the the ease of you know believing. So, so the question for the house. So, who would you hear? Hear this from the but still not have the capacity to fight their mind because their mind is very loud. The guilt is very loud. It's actually very loud. The guilt sometimes can literally choke this morning's beautiful session. But for those in that category, what are their practical next steps to make sure that this this word begins to bubble up and fight? Practical, okay, so practical. I hmm. I'm a I'm a teacher, I'm a psychologist, okay. And I do I like practical. I like I like visualizing things. And, um, you know, you are talking about, I think it was Eche, you know, Christ having fulfilled the law, having fulfilled the requirements of the law. I love that passage in Colossians where it like, just like completely disses the enemy and this is sin. It says that Christ be the public spectacle of sin, like triumphant. Let's, if you can open to Colossians, talks about the work of grace on the cross. It's beautiful. It sounds triumphant. And it is triumphant. And there's that, um, you know, when Jesus died on the cross, this, one of his last words was, it is finished. It is finished. And that word in the Greek, to tell us die, represents um, what in, in that culture, when you had finished paying for something, there would be a receipt given to you. And on that receipt, the word to tell us die is written, which means it is finished. So wherever you present the receipt, wherever you present that receipt, nothing, you owe nothing anymore. And what I remember an activity, you know, in school, one of the things that our Bible study teacher made us do was write all your sins on a sheet of paper. The things you're struggling with, write them all on a sheet of paper. And then over that passage, write what Jesus' last words on the cross when he completed the work is to tell us that it is all paid for or nothing. Wherever you present that, whoever comes to accuse you, Wherever, whether the accusation comes from within or without, on that sheet of paper, it is finished. And so sometimes I believe that the more we, the more we proclaim and declare who we are, the more we proclaim and declare the finished work of Christ, the more we testify. You know, it says they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, believers. We overcame the enemy by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. I think we completely underestimate um, the power that comes from 
utterance and what we say and what we write. Um, in Philemon, it says that, um, I pray that you may be more active in sharing your faith so you have full comprehension of everything we have in Christ. So in terms of practical next steps, if it means writing it down on a sheet of paper, that sin that bugs you, writing across it, red stamp, paid in full, put it on your mirror, and every time it confronts, you just say, yes, this happened, but it's completely paid. And then make a habit of confessing, sharing your faith. The more, as you share your faith, as we confess what Christ has done in our lives, and as we confess who we are in Christ, we're so, you know, a, a secular person, a German guy who's saying, ah, Nigerians, that the only thing I have against you is that of all the countries in the world, when you ask a Nigerian, you meet a Nigerian outside, oh, so what's your country like? Ah, that country. We don't have lights. The people leaders are corrupt. He said everybody else tries to say something positive about their country. Oh, we have, you know, great water. We have X, Y, Z. But it's sunlight, so I don't know if it's a cultural thing. But let's, let's take on our identity as believers in Christ and let's begin to proclaim who we are. You can log on to thetribelagos.com or email us at hello at thetribelagos.com Follow us on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter on The Tribe Lagos. God bless.